three, two, play. Hey, we got tunes. Spotify can't keep us down. Nothing can keep us down. Hello, it's Mikey. Recent poi boy reporting live from Boston, fresh off of a flight from the West Coast. What's up, Aaron, dear pal Moody? It's me. I'm doing great. It's a me. <laughs> it's a me, a Moody. Well, you look great. Frenchie and I, we have a niece, Isla. The last time we saw her, she's like, I can speak Italian. And we're like, oh yeah, really? And she goes, yeah, listen. <laughs> Mamma mia, pizzeria. <laughs> I hear no lies. I was like, wow, you are so fluent in Italian now. It's crazy. So these kids just learn things so quickly. You know, what an advantage to start young, right? Uh, I'm so jealous. Duolingo who? Y'all, thank you for listening today. This is Plurality, a pod about beautiful music and beautiful people episodes every other Wednesday. You know who we are now. We would love to know who you are. If you're listening, send us a message. Tell us what you had for lunch today or the name of your cat or puppers. Or rat. Or show the, ooh, what? You know what? Hey, I'm gonna not judge. Ratatouille is a great movie. There's some really talented rats out there. Aaron actually works with someone who has a rat, a possum, and two dogs who look like they're rock stars. Like they have like cool haircuts? Yeah, like the bigger dog, his name is Charlie, and his legs at the bottom are shaved so that it looks like he has these big fluffy boots on. <laughs> and then he has long hair on his head. I like that. Like he has rocker hair, but then his torso is all shaved. <laughs> That's amazing. No dog's cut will ever compare to Jack's tail, though. To that. The Charizard tail. The Charizard tail. Top notch. <laughs> yeah, it was his, um... His signature look. His signature look, yeah, for sure. That, that tail started many a conversations. Oh, it had to. <laughs> this is episode 36. We're listening to uh, a song called Loon, the Mind Chatter remix by Casbo and Vancouver Sleep Clinic. Vancouver Sleep Clinic so good not an edm band but said the sky actually did a song with them that was super good and anytime an edm homie remixes them oh it's so good and we're gonna do soft sounds on this episode so it kind of goes hand in hand what else are we gonna do drop of the week and blast from the past which is moody's specialty but i am as stoked as I've ever been for this segment, I went full moody mode on this one. <laughs> I saw your notes once I was doing mine. I was like, wow, you wrote a lot about this person. Oh, I got so into it at the airport last night and at the San Clemente Public Library yesterday. <laughs> I love that you went to the library to do research. <laughs> Shout out to libraries for being a place that we can go and sit in air conditioning with Wi-Fi. You didn't even look at any books, did you? Zero. <laughs> <laughs> You could have gone to a Starbucks. You didn't even have to go to the library. <laughs> I actually did not intend to. I was walking to a park. I was just going to sit at the park, kind of be on my laptop and just be poying it up. And then I took a wrong turn and there was just a library right there. And I was like, oh, let's check it out. And then, then I was there for five hours, not reading any books, but listening to music. And that's what we're going to do today. Let's do drop of the week, huh? Oh, wait, hold on. Holding. I think I found a new way to do this jam thing. Y'all, we are having some difficulties with Spotify. We usually do like a group session, but something changed and we're struggling today. I just saw that it was, the button was in. Oh, you did it. You're in? Yes, it's working. Can you hear it? I can hear it and I love the sounds that are coming into my ears. Yay. Oh. Okay, I'm gonna stop it. Dang. Cause that's my drop of the week. <laughs> <laughs> 
I just went to copy the link for the playlist. It said start a jam session. And that was a different spot than where I was clicking it before. And apparently that way works, but the other way doesn't. <laughs> Your preparation has resulted in success. Well, you know what they say. Moody strikes again. <laughs> they, they do say that. <laughs> like, I heard that in the library. I was like, you know Moody? The person was like, no, but like, Moody strikes again. You know what they say? Like, A new week, two new drops. Let's go. You already got a preview. I'm trying to decide if I want to say anything about him first. Nah. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go. Mikey's like ready to listen to the fucking song. He's like, come on. My job of the week is Indestructible by Will Sparks. Let's go, Willie. Yes. Yes. So as you could hear, that drop took like a minute and a half to like finally happen. I got one word for that one and it's three letters, big. That was big. Right? I uh, I heard it the other day and I was like, oh yeah, this is this is definitely something to throw into a set when people are at least expecting it. <laughs> <laughs> and this guy has a cool story. So Will Sparks is a DJ producer from Melbourne, Australia. He began producing music at the age of 15 and became a prominent figure in the Melbourne underground music scene by leading the rise of Melbourne Bounce in the early 2010s, along with Joel Fletcher and Diora. I mean, Melbourne Bounce? That just sounds fun. I am going to play his first track that he saw significant success with. Um, but first, I'm going to tell you what Melbourne Bounce is. 
Melbourne Bounce is an upbeat subgenre of electro house that often features synth horns borrowed from Dutch house and offbeat bass lines that, along with the sped up tempo, give it a signature bouncy feel. Will first gained widespread recognition in 2012 with his single Ah Yeah, which became a commercial success in Australia and internationally. And so when that track came out, it was 2012. I tried to find it on Spotify. It's not on Spotify. The original track is remixed by TJR. I found in 2014, he re-released the track with vocals on top of it. There's a vocalist who sings a hook, and then there's a guy who also raps. When the original track, you didn't have any lyrics in it other than like some vocal edits that you'll hear. So I'm going to play part of the 2014 track that has the lyrics, but I'm going to play a part that you can just hear the sound of what Melbourne Bounce sounds like. Oh, give me the bounce. When the track was re-released in 2014, the name then became Ah Yeah, So What? And the lyrics are by Wiley and Helen Levon. Oh, the bounce? (laughs) Is that bounce from Melbourne? Ah Yeah. So what? Okay, so that... (laughs) That's, like, pretty punchy, though. It's pretty punchy, yeah. It it takes elements, like I said before, from Dutch House. Since 2012, when he first started producing this crazy-sounding music, um, his sound has really evolved since then. Uh, As you just heard, he makes techno, very very dope techno. Dope. He's done dubstep, he's done psytrance, he's done uh, a plethora of other genres. In 2013, he was named... Best Breakthrough Artist of the In The Mix Awards, and he won Best EDM Dance Release at the 2014 ARIA Music Awards. He has also been ranked in the DJ Magazine Top 100 DJs list every year since 2015, with 56 being his highest position. But yeah, he's like consistently ranked in the last seven years, so I thought that was pretty cool. And in 2018, he launched his own festival called Sparks Mania. Since then, it has traveled around Australia to Adelaide, Brisbane, Melbourne, and Sydney. Then last year, it actually made its international debut by traveling to Gothenburg, Sweden for the Summer Burst Festival. So he's doing big stuff. Let's go to a Europe summer. Let's go to a Scandinavian summer festival. That would be so fun. That would be fun. I'm in. Let's just make a lot of money and then just go to the coolest randomest festivals. All right, manifesting that, that's in our future. I mean, honestly, it kind of makes more sense. Like, instead of hitting up the really big festivals to be like, hey, can we get free tickets for the, this podcast? We should reach out to the smaller ones and be like, hey, we want to feature you on our podcast. Yes, for the culture. <laughs> yeah. That's in our future, Moody. I'm so excited. Me too. Anything else on William Sparks? That is it on William Sparks. Go check out his other techno tunes because they're definitely bangers. Mm-hmm. Well... Mikey will take drop of the week from here. This is for me like the let it ride episode because I think every track I'm starting it at the zero second mark and just letting it ride. Nice. It's a drum and bass song that I was recently put onto, but it's a very large song in the DMB scene. Came out originally in 2019. Most of you, all of you, will definitely recognize what it was originally a bootleg of. And without further ado, it's called Come Together by Urban Don and Tyson Kelly. Come on, flat 
Love it, right? Of course, the original tune by the Beatles. And if you ever wanted to hear the Beatles mixed with some grimy D&B, there it is. It's been done. The Beatles. Just discovered this tune a couple weeks ago because uh, a homie of mine, Ashley, who was giving me a ride to Cosmosis, which is this small camping rave in the desert outside of Salt Lake City, played this in the car. And I was like, WTF, mate. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> need that. And turns out it's a massive track that if you're a fan of DMV, strong chance you've heard that one. That track was originally a bootleg by Urban Dawn, and then uh, Andy C played it at Wembley in 2018, and everyone was like, we need that. And so that track went on to win the best track at the 2019 Drum and Bass Awards. So let me tell you a little bit about Urban Dawn, a.k.a. Felipe Rachiski. Born and raised in Sao Paulo, Brazil. That sound gained him a lot of popularity and attention from people in the scene. He has since collabed on tracks with Zed's Dead and Netsky, some of our favorites, as well as receiving support from Skrillex, What's So Not, Nightmare, Noisia, A-Track, and more. And Felipe has a background in playing guitar, bass, basic drums, as well as having a degree in audio engineering. And I thought it was really interesting what his music influences were. Three different areas. There was his father and his culture in Brazil. So he grew to love, you know, the Brazilian music and that sound. His mom exposed him to a variety of classical music. And then his brother, who I have a feeling was pretty influential, exposed him to heavy Scandinavian bands, such as Soilwork who I hadn't heard before, but it's heavy Scandinavian music. <laughs> Toss in his you know, own love of DMB, his own musical skills, and you have Urban Dawn. Very cool. I thought it was super cool, yeah. That's a dope uh, background, though, for, for music. Yeah, I thought it was super interesting and unique, and I don't know that we featured many Brazilians on the pod. So I do love the Brazilians myself as the jiu-jitsu homies, so... Love to be able to shout them out, represent their culture on here. Absolutely. My number one Brazilian homie, my professor, is moving to Brazil tomorrow. I'm so sad, no. but like he's going to, you know, be around his family and his kids are going to get to, you know, live in the culture that he grew up in. So I'm sure it'll be an amazing time. So Professor Rafael, I love you. I know he will literally never listen to this podcast probably, <laughs> but... <laughs> It's still sweet to say it out into the world. He's getting a shout out because I love that man. But back to this track, I am surprised that the Beatles even released their rights for this track to be released. I mean, I know you said it started off as a bootleg, but for it to be like able to, to be streamed, it's cool. What was that conversation like where like the, the Beatles people were like, we've got a track that we have to decide whether to approve or not. And then they all sat down and then listened to that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, the Beatles, they were always progressive and open minded and they enjoyed incorporating new electronic technology as it became available. I mean, they were doing some really weird shit in the 70s that no one had ever heard of, you know, with like echoes and the way that they modulated the vocals. 
going from higher to lower frequencies and octaves. So I'm sure they listened to this and they were like, yeah, I can fuck with this, you know? And it's not like some some white guy was doing it, right? It was like some kid from Brazil who has this really cool background. Cool Brazilian <laughs> kid who listens to Scandinavian rock. Yeah. Or... <laughs> so I'm sure that, that helped out too. Thank you, Felipe, Urban Don, for that track. And that is Shop of the Week. You know, this is great that we were just talking about the Beatles because that segues us right into Blast from the Past. And I can already see the smile on Moody's face. <laughs> My Blast from the Past. This is a song I loved in high school. I would <laughs> blast it out of my car. I feel like maybe I will talk about it before. Now nah, I'm just going to play it. <laughs> <laughs> so My Blast from the Past is called I Do Both Jay and Jane, and it's by Larissa. This is a Let It Ride for me. I'm going to start it from the beginning. Ready? So, so ready. Let's go. High school moody <laughs> blasting this. I met a boy, his name was Jane, he was so fine. I met a girl, her name was Jane, she wanted to be mine. I met a boy, his name was Jane, he was the one. There's a whole nother verse Ooh. where she keeps describing why she loves both Jay and Jane. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah, it's a pretty dirty song if you look at the lyrics. <laughs> the next verse, it, it goes in there. You've been bringing us some dirty stuff lately. I, what can I say? <laughs> <laughs> so this Larissa is not to be confused with another Larissa, which is a dark wave duo from Leeds in the UK. They are still a functioning band. They are still doing their thing. This Larissa is no more. And I will get into that right now. So Larissa was a dance music project put together and released by Bad Cat, Arius, and Warlock Records, which centered around the song, I Do Both Jay and Jane. The vocals were originally recorded by an unknown girl in New York who allegedly wanted nothing to do with the finished version because of her distaste for dance music. What? Womp womp. <laughs> 
It has been suggested that neither the writers nor the original vocalist ever received payment for their work on this track. Idiots. <laughs> <laughs> While the single was taking off and becoming a moderate hit, a second girl, Kenji, was brought in to make appearances as Larissa, including the Cindy Margolis show and New York radio station's KTU's Ultimate Dance Party. When Kenji became pregnant, the record label brought in semi-established singer Ira Gale to continue to make appearances, and she recorded a second single called Someone to Love Me under the Larissa name. Ira began work on a Larissa album. However, shortly after she was brought in to replace Kenji, the producers and DJs lost interest in the Larissa project. <laughs> like a true flash in the pan. Yeah, like they've literally released two singles and then they're like, yeah, we're done with this. The vocalist wanted nothing to do with the first one. Then they released the second one and they're like, ah, we're good. Meanwhile, Moody's just in their car in high school, like absolutely raging to this. <laughs> Ira went on to record the remainder of the album, which was released under her personal name instead, minus the two Larissa singles. So that's the story and history about that. That's fascinating. Yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting, right? I Do Both, Jay and Jane was released in June 1999 with nine different edits of the song um, to include a tribal mix, a rock dance mix, a Latin mix, Ooh. and a rave radio edit, which is the version that we just listened to and the one that became very popular. So I was like trying to find information about Larissa and like how well the song charted around the world. So I don't remember the first time I heard this song, but I do remember like downloading it on LimeWire and then burning it to a bunch of CDs and like playing it in my car in high school and being like, yeah, I fucking love this song. I mean, obviously because of the lyrics, because I can relate, but also because of the vibes, because it was a really good trance song at the time. So while I was digging through the internet, like trying to find information about it, that whole story that I just said about the background and the history of Larissa Project, it came from one source, last.fm. They had this like little story about it and I couldn't find any other information anywhere other than I was digging through some old Billboard chart magazines and I was able to find like a, a few times that the song ranked. So the first one that I found was December 2000. The song was ranked number 15 on the Hot Dance Maxi Singles. And then it went up to number four by May 2001. That was still like three and a half years before I was in high school. I, I can't remember when I heard it, but I, it, it might have been like on, on the radio at some point. While I was researching, I did see a few people on Reddit say the song took off pretty heavily in the rave scene in Florida. Interesting. Yeah. So I guess it's not surprising that I happened to cross paths with it at some point because the Florida ravers were definitely into the, the sound. And yeah. Who knew? Well, I'm not sure about Bad Cat, but Warlock Records had an imprint called Arius and they both were run out of New York City. So I, the song was created and recorded in New York. And I guess it just, yeah, made its way down to good old Florida. Packed its bags, got on a bus. And <laughs> going just, south. Going south. Going to the swamp. That's where this song belongs. <laughs> Anywho, I encourage everyone to go listen to the whole track. It is definitely a classic. Just ask an OG Floridian raver. <laughs> <laughs> well, that article that you read was like the number one source 
of info about this song. And now this episode of this podcast is the number two <laughs> news source for information about this track. We will now show up in the Google results. <laughs> well, there's a lot of information about this next song, and I'm so excited to talk about it. Yes. The song is Burning by MK. We're just going to let it ride. This song came... Actually, we're going to come back to that. I'm just going to start telling you about MK. MK, a.k.a. Mark Kinchin, was born August 3rd, 1972. We were so close to sharing a birthday, and that would have been so cool. It's still kind of cool, but it would have been so cool if I was born a day later, he was born a day earlier. I digress. August 3rd, 1972, in Detroit, Michigan, Mark Kinchin was born. And in the 80s, he really loved weird types of music. What kind of weird music did he like? Just some like weird rock stuff by bands such as Skinny Puppy and Ministry. And I listened to some of it and can confirm, it's weird stuff. And he was always interested in how they made those weird noises. So he taught himself. He bought books on music theory and he learned. Detroit, he calls it a dance mecca, actually, which I thought was really cool because I never considered Detroit a dance mecca until I started learning more about the history of it. So coming up in the late 80s when he started making his own music, he said in Detroit, it's really cool. They'll take a slow R&B song and they'll pitch it up to be fast so that you can dance to it in the clubs and stuff. And those are the types of tunes that he grew up on. And we'll touch on that in a moment, but you really see that come through in his music making process. And I thought that was really cool. And so he was definitely a producer long before he was a DJ. Making the musics was what he was fascinated with. And the number one thing for him when it comes to making music, what it all comes back to is the vocals. And he says that the key element to an MK record is getting a good melody out of a vocal piece. That's live or die. The way that he would find these vocal pieces was really interesting in the 90s when he was coming on as a producer. What you would have to do apparently is record the vocals live into a sampler and then he would scroll through the vocal piece syllable by syllable and pick chop points just based on 
things that his ears liked. And samplers today, a lot of times, will automatically choose chop points at the the peak points for the vocals, but he doesn't like to do that because he doesn't always choose the peak points. He chooses the MK points that the MK ears alike. That's what he would always do. And then he would hear a syllable and he would figure out how he could kind of pull a melody out of that or base a melody around that. And that's what you hear in something like Burning. And he talks a lot about how when he does a remix, he basically just strips it entirely, the original song, and just drops the vocals in there and just builds an entirely new song based on those vocals, which is kind of like a true remix, right? Like you are making an entirely new song, basically. For sure. Just with the vocals. And... I wanted to give an example of that with a banging song called My Head is a Jungle, which is a folk song originally by Wunkle Mutt and the vocals by Emma Louise are what he worked off of predominantly. And the Area 10 MK remix is about to grace y'all's ears. So actually, this is funny, it just came to mind at Senderland, which is this crazy cliff jumper paradise that I went to at the start of September, Labor Day weekend. And I made a really cool video about it. If anybody wants to go on YouTube and watch it, it's 30 minutes long. It's like a mini doc, captures the whole experience. It was so cool. But I have a shot where I was up by the, the fire, this massive, massive fire. And the DJ, like huge tent, you can see like in the distance and this is playing and I've really just been listening to MK a lot in the last couple months and he's very quickly become one of my favorite house producers and that was just a cool moment and it all is connected I don't know continuing this is when I really feel like I'm in my moody mode with this next part mm -hmm. so getting back to his origins where MK learned to be MK, Detroit. If the first element of an MK track is the vocals, the second is the drum. So Moody, you might be familiar with Kevin Saunderson, also from Detroit, who was part of the Belleville Three. Have you ever talked about the Belleville Three on here? I feel like maybe you have. I feel like possibly. 
Well, little refresher, the Belleville Three, Juan Atkins, Derek May, and the aforementioned Kevin Saunderson is a group that's credited as the originators of Detroit techno and techno pioneers in general. So MK, as a youth in the 80s, kind of became Kevin Saunderson's protege, going to the studio, watching Kevin Saunderson work, and he said that Kevin had the hardest hitting drums always. And MK was so young, he, he wasn't even going to the clubs. So he didn't really understand why the drums had to be loud. He said that the, the drums, which are 909s that Kevin Sanderson uses, they would hurt his chest. They were so loud. But that's where he learned that drums have to kill you. And MK still uses 909s today, which I thought is super cool. And that definitely made a big influence. So now full circle. We're coming all the way back. The song we just heard, My Head is a Jungle, that was came out in 2014, that remix. Burning came out in 1991 when he was 19 years old. It was his first record at 19. He wasn't playing in any clubs. He wasn't doing any DJing. He was just making music, not really knowing what he was doing. He said some guys came into the studio when he was making that song and were like, why are you using this sound? Why are you using that? Like telling him he was doing it wrong. And he just said, this is what I think sounds good. This is what I want to put out. And that's what he did. And here we are in 2023, still listening to it. So dope. It's so dope. It just goes to show what a legend you've rubbed off on me so hard in my passion ah. for the history of EDM, which is something that I never really had as I first got into this scene. So thank you for that. You're welcome. The first MK track that I ever knew was also in high school. Um, it came out before I was in high school, but I found it in high school. It was the track that launched his career pretty much in 1995. It was a, um, a remix he made of a Nightcrawler song called Push the Feeling On. Yeah. It's still to this day one of the top recognized songs in electronic dance music history because one, it was massive when it came out and two, um, that song has been sampled by so many hip hop and rap songs now uh, that once people hear the horns, they're like, oh, wait, wasn't that a Pitbull song? And you're like, yeah, well, the original <laughs> producer was actually Nightcrawlers. And then Mark Kinchin did a remix of it. <laughs> We're going to play a few seconds of that because we can't hype it up and not. MK eventually moved from Detroit to New York City, and he started incorporating the sounds he learned in NYC with his Detroit background. But what I think maybe made him really stand out is his ability to make a down-tempo song danceable. Yeah, for sure. He got that from the Detroit dance mecca. That's just always been ingrained in him. So I could talk about MK forever. There's so much about him. He got out of house for like a decade after the 90s, then got back into it in like the 2010s. 
he's been on an incredible journey. Would highly recommend everybody to just explore all he has to offer. Actually, another reason I chose this song for today is because we were just talking about MK last episode. So I was like, ah, <laughs> we talked about him. We didn't really play anything. Oh, now we're going to play the MK for the people. Yes. The night that I saw him live at Mirage, he played this song. and I went fucking crazy. I was like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have a funny story about Kevin Saunderson. Do tell. My original beef with Avant Gardner. They were having a Halloween festival. Fell the weekend of my birthday. So Aaron and I, we decided to just get tickets for one night. And that was going to be like my birthday party, right? Let's go to this. So when we went, it was raining while we were in line. And we had gotten there around 11. The line was already around the corner. And we're like... Okay, this is annoying. Because the line was so long, the partitions that formed the line, like the barriers, only went so far, which was not very far at all. (laughs) (laughs) So then it was just a mass of people. Yes. And when I say it didn't even go that far, there were maybe like three barriers, maybe, if that. (laughs) We waited in line for almost two hours. It was raining and it was cold. And when we got up to the front, because of the barrier situation, everyone was just funneling in. Avant Gardner did this? No. The entire street was full of people and everyone was just pushing their way to get into this tiny little entrance. While we were in this line, Kevin Saunderson was playing inside and he was like the person I came to see. We missed his entire set. I was so pissed. That's been my one and only chance to see him thus far. Damn. At one point we could hear his set and he played a Lalo and Bushwacka song that I love, which is an old 90s track. And I was just so sad, man. (laughs) Standing in the rain on my fucking birthday. Like, fuck you, AG. Oh my God, get your shit together. This was years before Izu happened. (laughs) Narrator voice, they did not get their shit together. (laughs) Now they're just making the same mistakes on a grander scale. (laughs) They just upgraded. (laughs) So anyway, one of these days I'll catch you, Kevin. I want to see you live. His sons uh, make techno now as the Saunderson brothers. That is cool. Yeah, they have some good tracks. It's a family business. It's a family business. I did not know that MK was like his... um, his protege. His protege. Yeah, that's dope. His little mans. Yeah. Very cool. Isn't it so cool? Passing the torch of literally EDM history. Also, MK is 51. Dude looks amazing. Aww. You know what they say. Mo- Moody strikes again. <laughs> Moody strikes again. <laughs> <laughs> he also has a few kids and um, one of them is living with Down syndrome and he seems to be like a really... A really dope dad. That's amazing. Shout out to MK for doing all the things. What a beauty. Anywho, that was a blast in the past, taking you. So that was pretty far back we went back there. We went back. I'm proud of myself, pat on the back, because last time I went back to like 2014 or something. So we actually went into the past this time. Although the, the version of the track we played, the vibe mix came out in like 2011, I think. I'm counting it. Don't take this away from me, Moody. <laughs> I'm not not taking it away from you. I'm not. (laughs) Transitioning now into soft sounds with Mikey and Moody. Let's get soft. Delilah. You probably don't even know what that is, do you? Nope. (laughs) (laughs) Delilah is from this, wait for it. You might not have heard of this. A thing called the radio. Uh Ah, no. Could you explain further? (laughs) She was a radio personality and people would call in and just like spill their guts out to her. And she would just talk like this the whole time. 
And that was her little like jingle going into like hers. It was Delilah. <laughs> My soft sound this week. Apparently Mikey was going to play a different song by the same artist and then switched last minute. Indeed, that's exactly what happened. <laughs> it was called Opals and uh, also worth a listen. Anyway, Moody. My track is by Catching Flies and the name is Komolebi. track the title of this track is a japanese word which means sunlight leaking through the trees like another japanese word koyo which describes the changing leaves of autumn komolebi invites us to notice and take a moment to marvel at this wonder of nature so i thought that was pretty cool it is very cool And you know, while we're here, we might as well just listen to Opals because it'll never be more relevant than this very moment. They're off of the same album, which is so insane that we almost literally pick songs off the same album. Yeah, I have this entire album like just saved in my library and I was going through it deciding which one and I was like, this, this is definitely the one. The album is called Silver Linings. It came out in 2019. Worth a listen. The song Satisfied on here is also incredible. Let's do Opals. Mm -hmm. 
Everybody, go listen to this album. <laughs> It's so good. It's true. The entire album is definitely in the soft sounds realm. Quite frankly, this isn't really EDM, but I mean, we do what we want here on the Plurality Podcast, and it's some really, really good soft sounds that hold a special place in my heart for. Nerd reasons. So, without further ado. Flute is really pretty. Thank you for listening to that with me, homie. Those noises were crafted by Yasuharu Takanashi. That is pulled straight from Naruto.
which is a show that is incredible if you like anime or even if you don't. I firmly believe that all world leaders should be required to watch Naruto because I learned so much about just like striving for like peace and positivity and the type of person that you want to be and relentlessly pursuing that person. I took so much from that show and definitely shed tears to the song that we all just heard multiple times because man, they really just choose the most gut-wrenching moments for that one. This song actually in English on the soundtrack is called Despair, but the characters are literally translated. They mean frustration. Watching how our boy Naruto dealt with those moments and overcame and was strong. And I know it's just a show and it's silly, but I'm so appreciative for that being out in the world. And I'm also having so much fun watching One Piece now because Luffy, in a totally different way, is also an incredible character who's relentlessly committed to his friends and that's how I would like to be as well. Aww. We'll close soft sounds there. I've never seen any of these things. You're going to make me cry just listening to you talk about it. Hey, I love it. Never was exposed to it as a kid. But as a 26, 27, 28-year-old, I have just dove headfirst into it. Love that. And was that. And was that. I know we say this like every time, but I loved this episode. <laughs> Another one in the bag. Hey, if any of y'all loved it, you could leave us like a review on Spotify or like some stars or something. Tell a pal, tell a homie, or just come talk to us because if you're listening to this, I don't know, I can't express how immensely dope that is to me and I'm sure to Moody. And we'd love to chat with you. Absolutely. You could check us out on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter threads at plurality pod and you can find any track we've played on the master playlist that i have on my spotify type in e-mood on spotify and you will find those playlists what a well-oiled operation we're running here barbara senora cream <laughs> alley cat shout out to y'all maybe i'll start calling her senora cream <laughs> she's gonna have so many pet names by the time you actually meet her she doesn't even know. She don't <laughs> even know. I told you that um, I went to the Hayao Miyazaki exhibit at the Academy Museum in LA, right? You did not. I got to see like a bunch of his original drawings and I watched a bunch of like short films there, original sketches of Totoro and all of these other people. And something that I always thought was really cool is that he was never sexist when it came to animation. He always was a huge promoter of anyone who wanted to become an animator to do it. Whereas before that, it would be weird, I guess, for a woman to come in and start drawing something for, you know, an animated film. That's really cool. Really cool storylines and really cool characters. Yeah, the Studio Ghibli movies are iconic. <laughs> Where are my weebs at? Well, we gotta go to Japan. EDC Tokyo, what's good? Dude, I would love to. I want to see a Porter Robinson set at EDC Tokyo. You can play some ignorant shit. <laughs> I'll allow it. Alice in Wonderland likes anime too. Well, she's a fine, fine woman of, of high culture and great taste. So, I mean, I'm not surprised. Facts. Every time we do this, it's really fun. 
Until the next one. Until the next one, when it's even more really fun. <laughs> Dude, I don't know. This one was, like, so fun. It's because Blast in the Past was on it. Is that your, like, fave number uno? Probably. I also really enjoy, guess, the genre. That one's so fun. And the sounds one. What do we call that? Name that noise. That's the Name one. Name that noise. Is it time to bring that one back? I'm ready. Oh, okay. Next episode. Tune in, y'all. We're going to name some noises. Let's go. I'm so excited. I'm going to say peace, love, and peace again. Peace, love, and peace. Because with everything that's going on in the world right now, I think we could all use some peace. Like our boy Naruto said, just you got to fight for peace. Dude, it's so relevant, man. In Naruto, it's just like the history of violence and it's a recurring cycle and everyone is just can't break the cycle. And Naruto says, no, I am breaking the cycle. Oh, yeah. Peace over everything. And everybody doubts him and he just sticks with it and he makes it happen because he's a fictitious character. But <laughs> <laughs> he did it. Frenchie um, posted a thing in her story today from Patagonia, who is a drag queen. That's a great handle. Isn't it great? She posted this little blurb, but it says, In times like this, I like to ask, what can nature teach us about this moment? Here's what nature knows. One, ecosystems without diversity die. Two, ecosystems with diversity survive. Three, ecosystems that embrace diversity thrive. Why does nature know diversity is our greatest strength, yet humans will fight to the death to extinguish it? We need humanity. We need to stop putting innocent lives at risk. We need to speak out against violence. And we need to remember diversity is not something to fight and kill over. It's our greatest strength. Let's take that out into the world. Let's go bring some peace, y'all. That's that's what we can do. We can put as much peace out into the world as we possibly can. I just felt like we needed to double down on peace in this episode. I like it. All right, Plurbies. All right, Plurbs. Much love. All the love. Talk to you next time. Deuces. Deuces.